Good morning. <clears throat> you are such a lovely people, and I always like it when they, I was told, let's go to Rochester. And uh, it's a nice place to come. Only that I always tell God that if I'm coming, control the heat a little bit, you know. <laughs> that makes different. And wow, I love coming here. And thank you for the relationship that we are building and the opportunity to come here and share God's word with you. It's such a blessing. You know, I love you. And sometimes people come, oh, last year, do you remember me? And I tell I say, oh, by the way, all the white people look alike, so. <laughs> Thank you. It's a blessing. Is that not true? Amen. Let's turn our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. And let's read from the verse number 14 through the 21 and uh, see what God has us for this moment. You know, I love this service. I nearly dance, you know, because it makes me feel that I'm home. So, thank you. <clears throat> for Christ's love compels us because we are all convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, and the old has gone. The new is here. Oh, this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow. I love it. You know, the whole two weeks we've been looking at love is the agenda. As a matter of fact, God's agenda right from the beginning has been love. He created us out of his own love, placed us in the garden, demonstrated his love to us. But when we sin against him, the love is even revealed more by providing a redemption for us. So even in our mess, he still loves us. So he loves us from beginning of creation going on. He loves us when we sin, when he chose Abraham. It's because of love, because out of Abraham he was going to raise a nation. And out of that nation brings redemption to us. That is where Jesus came. If you want to see how much God loves us, look onto the cross. That is where he did the greatest exchange ever happened. He brought his righteousness to take our sin. I mean, nobody was changed for bad things, you know, but he did that for us. That is the nature of his love. And out of that love, 
Jesus resurrected. He sent the power of the Holy Spirit to come and give birth to the church at the day of Pentecost and pour his love upon us. And that love continues through the church into the world. Love has always been his agenda. And that love needs to transform us. That love needs to change us. If someone projects love to you, your response must be different. You embrace that love and live based on that love. So that is why Apostle Paul, penning down this letter to the people in Corinth, talk about his ministry, his stance, and who he is, come to this point and said, the love of Christ compel us. Now take a break and think about it. A love has been projected, and that love transforms us. That love causes us to live a different life. That love causes us to respond into the world that he has placed us in. So Paul is saying that when we receive that love, when that forgiveness of sin comes into our life, changes us and makes us whole, a sinner has become a righteous person, what do you do? You don't live for yourself. That is very clear because you don't own yourself again. When we come to Christ, we dethrone ourselves and place him on the throne of our life. And that is why he becomes the Lord of our life. Folks, if you have a Lord, then you don't live for yourself. So the love of Christ moves us and pushes us to the point that I no more exist. Because generally, and according to scripture, we were dead in transgression. We don't exist. But by his love, he resurrected us and poured that life into us. And we are alive because of the life that has been given to us. So you don't exist. I pray that we begin to understand. You see, the problem with humanity is the word I, me. You know, all the atrocities and things that are going on in the world is coming to us because it's me, me, me. Until man deals with that me and allow Christ to come on that throne, life will still be difficult and sin will be dominating. And that is why somebody would just simply say the word sin in capital form means self-indulgence nature. And until that is canceled and we bow down at the cross and say, God, take control of my life, we will remain the same. The real transformation comes to us when we have responded to that love. So Paul said, when you receive that love, it compels you not to be yourself. So if you are not yourself, what do you do? Then you live for Christ because the life you have is not yours. And you respond by living that life. So we don't live for ourselves, but we live for Christ. Folks, that is all happening all to all of us. Many years ago, 9th December 1991, I was a man of myself. And I thought that I was on top of issues. Until Christ met me that night in my truck, touched my life and transformed me. Then I yielded my life unto him. Changes my perspective and everything that I live for. And I stand here in front of you, not because who I am, because what Christ has done in my life. There are great men across the continent who could have come 
But nobody can come because of what? Unless Christ has touched you, you can climb this step and proclaim him. I'm here because of him and what he has done in my life. And that is what you and I share common. You don't live for yourself, but you live for Christ. Now when you are living for Christ, then you work for Christ. Because it's his agenda that we pursue. It is him that works in us and make difference and change us for what we need to be and do for him. So the love compels us not to live for ourselves. The love compels us to live for Christ. The love compels us to work with him. He has a plan. And the plan, that is why we are projecting his love. That has become that agenda. So when he loves us, we join him in that agenda of loving the world. Now, I like it. When Paul said that, he moved on to the verse number 16 and 17, made a profound statement. He said, when that happened, there is a change. I mean, I love it. Do you know what he said? He said, when we come to Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. And I ask myself, I'm still a black man. I haven't changed color. I haven't changed location. I still live in Africa. I like visiting here. You know, one thing that I like coming here is that I can eat good food and go back and lose weight. You know, that's the standard I do to man. But I'm still the same. I'm still afraid of cold weather. Nothing changes. I love Rochester. But if we can take the cold out of here, maybe I would live here for a while. But I'm glad I'm living tomorrow. And the weather forecast tells us that Tuesday there will be snow. I'll be gone. But he said, something changed. And my question is that, what does it change? Number one, when we come to him, the love causes us to change value. You see, when we come to Christ, we have dethroned ourselves. We don't have principle ourselves. So whatever we hold dear in life is changed. Not ourselves again, but Christ ruling in us. And what is the value? So here, what do you see? We move from things to people-centered. We move from time to eternity. And we become God-centered. That becomes our value. So we change value. And when values change, ambition change. You know, I tell people that when I was a Muslim, I lo- you know, one of my ambitions was to get four wives. You know, and build a house. I mean, that's required. I mean, get a a young man like me, get four wives, build a house, giving birth to 50 kids. And that is what I was aiming life for. But 9th December, 1991, when I had an encounter with Christ, touches my life, forgive me my sins, bringing me to my knees, and I say, I surrender to you, take control of my life. That ambition changed. Because I saw things from the love of Christ and begin to see his agenda and fall within his agenda. And his agenda is that he's reconciling the world unto himself. So if I have been enrolled in that agenda, I need to focus on 
reconciling the world alongside with him. And the power to do that is the power of the gospel. And that is why in the past 18 years we've been able to plant 2,000 churches, train 800 leaders. It's a new ambition that I found in Christ. And now I have 2,000 churches to plant in the next 10 years across West Africa. Have you changed value? Have you changed ambition? So you see, when the value is changed, when the ambition is changed, it changes pleasure. God finds satisfaction in him. And I mean, I like this verse when it comes to that. He said, when one sinner repents, the whole heaven celebrates. So God finds satisfaction in the repentance of a sinner. And therefore, that becomes my pleasure. May the Lord help us. May the Lord give us understanding of himself and his, in his word. So when we change value, when we change ambition, when we change pleasure, then we come to the point to understand that we are on mission with God. And that's why Apostle Paul made it clear in the passage that we read before. Now listen to me. This is very important to me. Man unredeemed is man condemned. You see, I don't care who you are. I don't care the level of your intelligence. I don't care how much you, 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 wealth you have. There is one thing that is very clear. Anybody, you can be anybody anywhere. If you have not come to the seven knowledge... You are dead. I believe in scripture. And that's what scripture said. So if you, are, if you have not believed in Jesus Christ. And surrender your love to him. Whether you listen to me online. Wherever. Consider yourself dead. Until you come to the saving knowledge. And believe in him. And then he pour his life into him. Then you are quickened and you are back to life. Whether you disagree or agree with me. That is the fact. So, man unredeemed is a man condemned. So, for us, those who have believed, we have been called to further that course of mission with the Lord. And that is why my best friend, J.R. Wood, who wrote a book, <clears throat> The Church as a Movement, Starting and Sustaining a Missionary Incarnational Church. It's a book I teach across Africa. And Jehud tells us that when we believe that we are with God on mission and we get to the community, it calls for exegesis. What does he mean? We need to exegete the culture. And it's also art and science to help us to understand the people and the place God has called us to inhabit. So that the power of the gospel might fully connect and be transformed Nishina, in the context that we've been called. The only two that changes man is not philosophy of man. The only two that transform man and bring them to appreciate the love of God and stay within God's agenda is the power of the gospel. Now, to listen to what A.W. Tosa the pastor, a planter, and a teacher, and an author. This is how he had to say. 
The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ can lift and destroy the burden of sin from the mind. It gives beauty for ashes and garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. But unless the weight of the burden is felt, the gospel can mean nothing to the man. Until he seizes the vision of God, high and lifted, there will be no woe and no burden. So low views of God destroy the gospel for all who hold him. So folks, this morning, as I share with you, until we come to the point and appreciate that love that has been projected to us through the power of the gospel, nothing changes. We will remain the same. So life becomes routine. I pray that we get to a point and realize that the mechanism to change us, the mechanism to transform us, the real surgery of man happening in the heart when the gospel has touched that heart, then a heart is being transplanted and transformed to live. May the Lord have mercy upon us. So, get this right with me. The first thing I want you to understand that we don't invent our mission. We receive it. We don't invent our mission. We receive it from God as we listen to his voice through the Holy Scriptures by the power of the Holy Spirit breathed into us. So all of us, it's not what we think we will do, but what he has set the agenda for us to join. God has placed us into a family that crosses every boundary made by people, people from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. See, the power of the gospel cut across, and that is why a guy from Africa can travel eight to seven, uh, seven to 8,000 miles and be here with you Sunday morning. That is how the gap is being breached. It is not my intellectual ability, but it's the gospel that has put us into a family and we become one. And there is one blood that has redeemed all of us. I mean, this is my joke. I look at people and say, well, I'm not bloodly related. I say, it's not true. We are bloodly related because one blood has saved all of us. Whether black, green, or blue, or yellow, is the cross that has made the difference. We are one in him. And so, Autumn Reed Church, God has placed you here, not just placing you for blessing's sake, but he's giving you the ability to cross boundaries and bodies from home to the ends of the earth. And thank you for your response and the mission life that you have. But remember also that the power of the Holy Spirit is for the expansion and extension of the kingdom. Two things here. The power of the Holy Spirit in full function grow the church at home. 
And that church that is being growing at home take an expansion of the kingdom to another level from Rochester to, to Mamu in Guinea to Ghana in Africa to Honduras, whatever. That is the goal that we need to fulfill as people that understands God's agenda. And it comes out of love. And I pray that this week, these two weeks, as we're reflecting on love's agenda, we need to remember this. That we are here for expansion and extension of the kingdom. God will reign in our life. We need to follow his agenda. You know, one thing with me, when I come, I want to eat. So by 12 o'clock, I need to get somewhere and eat something. The food I don't get is somewhere, I get it here, so I don't joke with it. And I have learned this beatitude that blessed are those who make it short. They shall be called back. So I won't keep you long. <laughs> you know, sometimes my joke is that the Baptists and Methodists are racing themselves to the restaurant. So if you cut the sermon, the Baptists get there before the Methodists. <laughs> May the Lord bless us. May the Lord be with us. But let me give you these four things that are so crucial if love is the agenda. Number one, he said, if love is the agenda, we need to have a spiritual eyes. You know, many people say that love is blind. I don't think love is blind. If love is blind, I don't want one. Because the person you love, you see more of that person that you see than the person you don't love. So, we need a spiritual eyes. Now, listen to what Jesus said in John chapter number 4, verse number 34 and 5. When he was sitting and the guys came back from the town buying food, talking to the woman, he made this profound statement. What did he say? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now he moved on to say this. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until the harvest. Now, we, we are around farmers. I've lived a little bit in southern Illinois, coming to Rochester, see the floodland and the farming context here. Every farmer set up a time that they were going to look for the harvest to be ready. But Jesus said this. He said, hey, don't depend on your mechanism and the things that you know and what you think. He moved on to tell, I tell you, Open your eyes and look at the field. They are ripe for harvest. So you have your own timelines and you have how to do it. He said the opportunity is available if we will open our eyes. Right here in Rochester, around the state, the nation, across the continents. The harvest is ready. You know, I love this story. That helps us not see. I have a friend who is the BCM pastor in William and Mary. His name is called Jeffrey. And I visit him a lot. And any time I'm going, I stay in his house. Now, one thing is that he has a son who has snakes as pets. I mean, this don't happen in Africa. It's happening in the United States. <laughs> uh, people have snakes as pets. My goodness, that was a shock in advance for me, a poor African boy. 
And I didn't know. And the son was going to college. So that trip, the room that was available for me to spend the night is the fr- <laughs> his son's room. And the terrarium, that you call it, is in the room there. So I've traveled across. Normally I used to drive in Virginia and then speaking all those things. And I was so tired. So when I got there, I dropped my bag. I said, Moose, your room is ready. I walk into the room, drop my bag, and the terrarium was on the table in the room with the two snakes inside. I dropped my Bible beside the table. I did everything. I sat by the table, read my Bible, two religious, prayed and did everything, went to bed, never saw the snakes. Then the next morning, I come down to the breakfast table. And we were chatting, and Jeffrey goes like, Moose, how do you do with snakes? I said, hey, if I see them, they will die. (laughs) He looked at my face, and I repeated it. He said, you have two in your room. I said, Jeffrey, you are lying. (laughs) You are lying. I'm not going back to that room until you pick the snakes. He climbed upstairs. Remove the terrarium from the room and he said, Moose, now I have room. You know, sometimes that is how we behave. We are soaked into ourselves and we are so inward looking that the problems are around us, we are living with it and we don't see them. Amen. But you saw my attitude when the snakes were pointed to me. I'm not going there, but I've slept there. <laughs> If the snakes will harm me, they have already harmed me. The church sometimes do the same thing. We live with the issues. But we are into ourselves and forgotten that the environment, there is something that we need to see. We need a spiritual eyes. And that's why Jesus told them, lift up your eyes. Open your eyes very well and see the opportunities available. From Rochester to the ends of the earth. God has called Autumn Bridge to have a spiritual eyes. To see the word from his perspective. May the Lord bless us. Not just that. But when we move on to Romans chapter 10 verse number 13 to 17. It's clearly defined that we need to be evangelistic active. Give me my scripture back, buddy. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Now, listen to it. I like this verse so much. He said, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He didn't say the black people. He didn't say the white people. He didn't say the green color. He said, everyone. Who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But if you read through that, I say, how then can they call on the one that they have not believed in him? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard of? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Come on, take a break and think about it. We can blame them when we have not given them the opportunity to hear what God has for them. So if we love them, 
then we have a responsibility. So that's why I always tell people that there are only two people in the church. The ones that has been called to go and the ones that has been called to send the one to go. So you either go or you send. And he makes it clear that those who bring the gospel, their feet are so beautiful. I mean, can you understand this? Sometimes when the teams comes around me and I take them to the villages and I look at their feet, it's dirty. But the irony is that we are bringing joy in fulfillment in the love of Christ. So, we need to be evangelistic active. So number one, spiritual eyes. Number two, evangelistic active. How we should behave like I do in Africa? Can I try that here? I say number one, then you tell me what I said. Number one. Number one. Number two. Active. Thank you. You're a good student. I give you A plus until I finish. Then I mark you well. <laughs> Being, having a spiritual eyes, evangelistic active, and I like the next one. Inward and outward adjustment. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 18 to 23. But for the sake of this morning, the 22 is so powerful. Paul said, I become all things for all people, that I might win some for Christ. Folks, if we will take the gospel to the next level, we need inward adjustment. Because there are things that are not comfortable with us. But for the gospel's sake, we need to begin to build a metabolism to respond to people, to the glory, and share love with them. Outwardly, there are things we need to do. Because there are people, naturally, we cannot embrace them. But we need to adjust for the gospel's sake. And welcome them because we are all going to heaven. One blood has purchased all of us. There is a need for inward and outward adjustment. That's what Paul said. I become all things for all people. We don't lower the gospel. We don't water down the power of the gospel. We preach the same gospel. In every context, the gospel must remain the same. But approach and receiving people must be different. Inward and outward adjustment. Let me suggest these five things that I borrowed from my friend's book, JR, that I quoted him earlier. That if the church would demonstrate love, there are five things that I suggest. I call the environment that we need to create. Number one, if we really want to demonstrate the love as an agenda, we need to cultivate a welcoming environment. You see, we need to allow people to feel welcome. You know, this morning I'm shouting and doing all these things because I feel that this is Rochester Autumn Ridge. I'm welcome. I walk in here and do whatever I need to do, get a cup of coffee at any coffee station and enjoy my life. So I walk on the stage. I'm so comfortable. Why? Because I am welcome. 
Do we create that environment for people to feel that they are welcome here? That is excellent. God, if the love is an agenda, all people, all tribe. I mean, you have such a great opportunity when I come here and go to the downtown to eat. God is bringing mission into your state. But do they feel welcome? That is the question. Not just welcoming environment, but there's also been a learning environment. If we become all things for all people, we need to create an environment where people learn about Christ, living for Christ, working for Christ, that transformation will happen. We don't just give information, but we want transformation. I pray that we take our mission agenda seriously because love is the agenda. Not just that, but we need to create a healing environment. Everybody is sick. I always love it when I walk into your airport, very small but beautiful and nice, and all that you can see, the number one hospital in the nation in Rochester. So, Yes, physically we are healing people, but there are spiritual sickness and diseases that have put people in slavery and they need spiritual healing alongside your physical healing. This is where people need to come to be healed. Broken homes, adulterers, name them, drug addicts, and all the people need to find a place to say, we are healing our soul. Not just welcoming environment, not just learning environment, not just healing environment, but if this three happens, people begin to be liberated. It's an environment that people are liberated, set free. I always tell people that the sins I did before the Lord met me, if he has counted all my sins against me, I couldn't be here to preach this morning to you. But I'm free. Because whoever the sun set free is free indeed. As we look at love as an agenda, welcoming environment, learning environment, healing environment, liberating environment will lead into thriving environment. That's what we need. And I pray that the good Lord will speak to our heart today. Build us for himself. As we work on ourselves, embrace others, and seek this agenda of love and taking the gospel from Rochester into the nations, God will get all the glory. The last one, then I'm done for this morning. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse number eighteen. That became our main text. Help us to understand that all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed that ministry unto us. So Paul pleaded with us and employed us that we need to be reconciled to God and intentionally get involved in the things of God. So we need to intentionally be active in the things that God are doing. It won't come automatic. 
Things need to be worked out to make us. Folks, if we have a spiritual eyes, if we are evangelistic active, and inward and outwardly, we are just ourselves and be intentional. God, through his love, will bring a lot of people to the saving knowledge. As I finish my sermon and my time with you this morning, there is a prayer I want us to pray together. Shall we be on our feet and read this prayer together as the conclusion of my time with you today? Let's start, let's start together. This is a commitment we are making. If the love is an agenda and what we are pursuing. I don't know the author, but I like the prayer. Can we say it together? in the world. Help us to experience your love grace. Grow in our relationship with Jesus in the spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Folks, may the Lord bless you. Let's take the love as our agenda. God bless you.